0: So, our next guest won the second Orange Prize, uh, Orange Award for New Writers, and was named the Sunday Times Young Writer of the Year for her book Disobedience, Lesbian Orthodox (laughs) Jewesses. Last year, she debuted um, her book, The Lessons um, Here, which is a kind of hot retelling of Bride's Head with a very sexy bacon sandwich scene. Um, And tonight, as it's nearly Christmas, she's going to be talking about Jesus. (laughs)
1: Yay!
0: Reading for her incredible new book, Elias Gospel. Please welcome Naomi Alderman.
1: This is, oh, that's, yeah, that's working, isn't it? Yes. Yes, good. Hello. Uh, um, I realised, yes, as Jojo was reading, that there are, there are several links. Um, uh, one is that in the bit that I'm going to read, there are some horses, uh, which I actually asked Jojo for advice about on Twitter uh, when I was writing the horses to make sure that I got them right. Uh, I'm, I've got quite a long bit to read. But you tell me if, I'm, if, if, it's, if it's too long um, or you can all you know, and, and we can just go that's too long Naomi so uh, this is my book um, The Liar's Gospel it is a novel about Jesus but it's really a novel about the time of Jesus um, I was quite interested in <sighs> it seemed to me that this was a very interesting period of history it is a period of occupation the Romans are occupying Judea and um, it seemed to me that we had this very, very close-focused lens in this period of history on Jesus. And I just wanted to pull that out and have a look to see what else was going on. And actually, I, this is my first sort of historical novel, and, and so it's the first one that I've really done this deep historical research for, and I thought it would be boring, and in fact it was utterly fascinating. And I got more and more interested in what, what we know from the historical... Uh, documentation and writers of the time was really going on. Uh, so this is a thing that I expect you have never heard about Pontius Pilate, <laughs> but this this is true. Um, In so far as a literary, as, 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 as a piece of historical fiction, is true. Obviously, I don't know what anyone was thinking inside their head, but <laughs> uh, they don't they don't write that down. Nobody, none none of them kept Adrian Mole style diaries. <laughs> It's unfortunate. <laughs> um, so, so this is, yeah, this is, this is a true thing that really happened. It does not come from nowhere. A city does not catch fire in an instant. It has been months and years. It has been the taxes and the tribute. It has been the way the Romans look at the Jews, the little taunts, the kicked-over fruit stalls, and shoulder bumps as they pass. It has been the sons and daughters who look at Rome and say to their family and to themselves, why can't we live like that? And the girls paint their faces and show too much of their thighs. And the boys shave off their bristles and go to the gymnasium to exercise naked. It has been the friends of these boys and girls, seeing them become strangers and collaborators. It was Pilate, bringing the legions with their idolatrous banners, into the city when his predecessor knew well enough not to do that. It was Pilate's way of administering justice, swift, merciless, unpredictable. It was the fear that grew in the city so that no mother could see her son leave in the evening without fearing where he was going and whether he would return. And these things rise and rise and no one stops them and the city is full of angry men and the city bakes in the sun, and the city is dried up by the sun, and the city is as dry as a tinderbox. Pilate sends word again that he will have the temple money. Caiaphas, that's the high priest, has ten priests go down into the storerooms to bring up the gold. They walk through the burning hot marble plaza at noon with their boxes of gold, saying, Make way, make way, these chests are bound for Prefect Pilate. And the curled cedar shavings are smoking in the sun. And the flint is struck. And the spark flies off. They wait until dark. Through the roasting day, people go about their business with stiff bodies and dark, waiting eyes. By the fifth hour of the afternoon, the shops close up their shutters and the mothers bring their children in. And somewhere the young men are waiting, but no one can see them. Not yet. They wait until dark, and past dark. Into the night they wait, standing on street corners, their cloaks pulled up around their faces, and the soldiers know something is wrong. But the garrison at Jerusalem is small, and they are just standing, and they cannot arrest people for standing. And besides, where would they put so many men? One of them begins to shout. It is the old call. David, he shouts, for David, king of the Jews. They take it up and throw it between them. For David, for David, like a wolf pack taking up a howl. Their pockets are full of stones. One of them throws a stone at the, shield of the, at the shield of the small tangle of Roman men standing at the gates of their storehouse. It bounces off the shield with a dull thwack of stone on wood and tumbles clattering to the ground. And then the sky begins to rain stones and the tiny smouldering spark on the cedar shavings bursts all at once into huge and beautiful and all-engulfing flames. The riot goes on through the night. They set the grain store on fire, the one the Romans keep as supplies for their garrison. A thousand days' worth of wheat for a hundred men burns with the sweet smell of roasting, and then the black scent of wasted wood, and the death of summer's past. The flames leap to the stable, and the horses begin to scream in terror, kicking at the doors of their stalls, but the doors are are built to withstand precisely this. Someone gets one of the stable doors open, and the animals stampede through the streets, rolling their eyes and rearing and foaming, but not all of them are saved, and their screams grow louder, and soon there is a smell of blackened flesh, and death is always the same, whatever set the events in motion that led to it. Death and destruction are always just the same. There is a glory in it for the young men whose blood is up and whose limbs ache for battle and for the sweet exhaustion of the hunt. Most of them are young indeed, 13 or 14 or 15, and they yearn for a fight. There is a delight in it because these Romans have taken their land and laid their people low and desecrated their holy places and it is good to see them suffer. But in the morning the streets are full of broken pots and the smell of burning in the air and the market traders are afraid to set up their little stalls, and the people look at each other with downcast eyes. They begin to gather in the afternoon at the prefect's palace. They are spent now, tired now, but there are so many of them, and they keep coming. All the people of Jerusalem are here, shouting out that the temple money is holy, that the prefect must not use it for this water course, that he must abandon his plans. It's not that they object to having an aqueduct but this way of trampling down the things that are most sacred to them is abhorrent. He has not tried to understand them. They must make him understand. The crowd grows a little ugly in their chanting and their jeers. Pilot! Your mother was an ass and your father was a donkey! No one wants you in Syria! They hate you back in Rome! Just leave us the fuck alone and crawl back home! The crowd is thick, full of men and women who have brought bread and water and intend to spend the day protesting. Men seem to have come from outside the city, for many of those standing quietly in the crowd, faces shaded from the sun by the hoods of their light robes, are newcomers. There are no soldiers. A wise man, perhaps, would have let them shout themselves out, encircled them with quiet armed men, and at dusk had them escorted from the plaza. But Pilate has too much pride for peace. That is his disaster. He leaves it until the late afternoon to address the the crowd when they are hot and thirsty after many hours at their most irritable. He shouts down from the balcony, words that are perhaps meant to recall Cicero addressing an angry mob with enough vivid clarity to calm and soothe them. But of course, Pilate is no Cicero. His words are not those of a great orator and his delivery is weedy and thin. The language is a problem. He begins to speak in Greek and is immediately shouted down. He has Aramaic enough to try it again, but perhaps this is a mistake. "'People of Jerusalem!' he shouts. And his accent is wrong. He puts the stress on the second syllable and not at the end where it belongs. "'I have heard your voices!' And this is wrong, too, because it sounds like a mockery of God's words, telling the children of Israel and Egypt that he has heard their cries." But nothing that Pilot says can work. His accent proves he is not one of them and can never understand. Let me be clear. I seek only he hesitates, searching for words. To make your lives better, to bring you comfort and relief. Fuck off, back home then, shouts one wag in the crowd, and a laugh ripples through the square. Pilot flushes, the pink coursing up his face and across his bald skull. His hand grips the marble balustrade in front of him. If the crowd were not buoyed up by their sense of invincible oneness, they would understand that they should be afraid. People of Jerusalem, Rome bears great love for you. Shame, because we fucking hate her. Another ripple of laughter. Can any man bear to be laughed at? Pilot's knuckles are white against the marble. If it were possible, his fingers would have crushed it to powder. It is time for you to disperse. Rome simply wants... Rome simply wants to improve the streets of your beautiful city. The streets belong to us, someone shouts, and the crowd take up the chant. The streets belong to us, the streets belong to us. And Pilate's face has gone from red to white, and his nostrils flare and his eyes widen and his whole posture stiffens. You are common criminals, he says, though he does not speak loudly enough for his words to reach across the crowd. And you deserve all that is coming to you. If you are old enough to riot, you are old enough to face the consequences. And Pontius Pilate, who has never suffered, who has never lived under occupation, who has never been trapped by soldiers or known what it is to see those things in which you believe trampled by an overwhelming force, raises his, ha- his right arm high and brings it down on the balustrade three times. The signal is understood. All over the square, quiet men mingling with the crowd throw back the hoods of their simple traveling cloaks and uncover their faces and pull out their daggers. The crowd is unarmed. It is angry and has hurled insults, but is not violent. They do not even have stones to throw. The first people die before anyone has even understood what is happening. While Pilate watches, grim-faced from the balustrade, 500 plain-clothed soldiers among the crowd of 10,000 unsheathe their knives, pull the nearest man to them by the shoulder, lean in close, cut through his neck so that he dies without a sound. All around the square, men fall to their knees, gasping, clutching at mortal wounds, or crumple to the floor, or try to cry out, and are silenced by a swift swipe to the throat. And then there begins to be screaming. There are men in this crowd who burned the grain store, who killed the horses, who threw the stones, this is true, but the soldiers do not differentiate between the innocent and the guilty. There are women who fall to the ground with bleeding wounds to the stomach, A young man who had stood quietly at the front of the crowd calling for peace and dignity is set upon by two of the soldiers who plunge their daggers into his chest in unison and withdraw them bloody as the young man's heart struggles and ceases. The people try to run, but those quiet men with their blades, well, they are human too and have suffered daily abuse from the people whose land they occupy and they are angry. Many of them are not even Roman. They're auxiliary troops brought in from from Caesarea, or Samaritans, brought in from north of the north of Jerusalem. If Pilate thought he, would, he could control this once it began, he was wrong. He does not have the common touch and has never sought to understand the people he governs, either the Jews or his own soldiers. He makes some other signal, a hand waving in the air, but no one is looking. The soldiers block the exits to the square and begin to advance, forming a net around the unarmed protesters. Some people escape through the buildings, up and onto the roofs. Some manage to barge through the guards at the exits, using the body of the dead as shields. Some soldiers have died now. Only a handful, compared to the 300, 400 Jews, dead or bleeding out under the prefect's balcony. But enough that some of the Jews have managed to arm themselves with daggers from the soldiers' corpses. They make a desperate run at the soldiers at the southern end of the square, where the line is weakest. At first, the charge seems to succeed, five soldiers fall, blood fountaining off them like water pouring from a broken aqueduct and the people run screaming still in all directions but when they see the gap in the line they begin to stream through it making for home or for safety carrying their injured and their children away from the place of carnage but the line closes up again and it takes two more attempts and another 50 people dead on the blood slick stinking floor before the soldiers give in and let them run weeping from the place And when it is done, there are 400 or so soldiers in the long brown robes that made them indistinguishable from the Jews panting in the sun, and 600 bodies on the floor around them so that the place is heaped with corpses. And the sun beats down, drying out the blood to a sticky film, and the flies settle on the bodies. And the soldiers go to wash, and congratulate each other because what else can they do? The deed has been done and so it must have been mighty. And Pilate stands alone on his balcony and looks at the great field of conquest and perhaps he wonders, this is how Caesar feels after a battle and why it does not feel more glorious. He had read the Gallic Wars at school and had expected something different.
0: Uh, your, your high-pitched Pontius Pilate sounded a little bit like Julie Bartchell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <just> <laughs> do, you know <laughs> ni- do you know where I nicked his lines from? Is from? from David Cameron.
0: From David Cameron.
1: Yes, I was writing it as the riots were going on last summer, um, oh and, my God. and yes, and, and him going, "If you're old enough to riot, you're old enough to face the consequences." Oh
0: and of course, this is the, the, is the is the origin of the expression "cloak and dagger." It is
1: the origin of the expression "cloak and dada, dagger"? Dagger. Uh, Pontius Pilate <laughs> invented it. Um, subsequently, the, the Jewish population used it against him. And I have another scene in the book where um, uh, there are Jewish rebels who then go through crowds where there are no Roman soldiers, with daggers hidden in their cloaks, and stab people, and then shout, "The Romans! The Romans are here!" In order to—it's terrorism, basically—in order to make people feel afraid.
0: Um, now, so tell us who. who The liars, and there's the silent apostrophe at the end, so we know there's more (laughs) than one liars, and they're all liars. Um, There are four. There are four gospels. Yes. Tell us about a little bit about each.
1: Yes. So it's so. um, I thought, yeah, because there are four gospels, obviously in the original. um, a story is told. It's it's four different people's stories. It's uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. um, And uh, I don't know if I should specify what the lies are. Probably not. Do you need to tell us lies? Just
0: tell us who the liars. Yeah. Okay.
1: So it's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, also
0: known as miriam
1: also known as miriam yes yeah, so i've given everybody their hebrew name in the book or their aramaic name um because i wanted to people to come to it without or to, or to try and get to try and sort of shave off some preconceptions uh and miriam is living in this tiny village um you know looking after her sheep it's a very sheep based culture at this time <laughs> you'd be amazed everything is sheep um and uh some, and, and yeah, as far as she's concerned, her son just died. Oh yeah, so that's that's the big reveal: Jesus dies. Yeah. And, and then, Those of you who
0: didn't know. Yeah. And, um, then, and then
1: nothing else. That's it. He just dies. But what's great
0: about her as a character is that she's a that she's a mother, yes. and she's she. It's not so much that her son is, is dead; it's that he wasn't a he wasn't a good enough son. Such yes. <laughs> Jewish mother guilt, isn't it? He was not a good enough son to me, <laughs> and he kind of you know he 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 wandered away and he left his family. And he and that I think is very interesting. She's as. Not a scorned mother, an abandoned mother. Abandoned mother. So,
1: can I talk about where I got her from? Yeah. Like what, what? What? I was thinking about when I first wrote her, I just thought, oh, she's a mother who's lost her son. She's just really sad. Um, but then, actually, my my father's brother died when I was fourteen. Um, he committed suicide, and my grandmother. N- I mean, quite obviously, never got over this. There's no getting over that. Mm. But. Um, also that she remained so angry her whole life was so angry about this and i sort of i thought this was a good way to come into it to just go it's, it's essentially what he what jesus did if one can believe the gospels is is um you know suicide by romans like like it was impossible for anybody not to know what the end of that was going to be is that you know you go around saying that you are the rightful king of the jews they're going to kill you um, nobody's allowed to say that. So, so I, I thought that was quite a good way into that sort of emotional place. Um, is, is and and people people tell me that they read that bit and they cry and cry. Um, and I think, well, yeah, they're probably just crying about my grandma. Like that's you know, it's quite. It's I don't know. I've sort of brought that into it. Um, so did the others. Yes. Uh, so uh, the second one is Judas. I love Judas. He's awesome. <laughs> Uh,
0: <laughs> Words you don't hear very often. Uh,
1: <laughs> but you should hear it more. He's a man of principle. He does what he believes in. Um, and uh, yeah, but very
0: complicated character. Because I mean, w- when we were talking about earlier drafts of this, you were saying, "And I've just written this really hot gay sex scene," and I was thinking, "Brilliant." <laughs> um, and I thought it would. It's kind of Judas. Did you cut it? Yeah, Is it I some cut sex it. That I you cut took it. away from Judas. I
1: cut it. Yeah. No. I at a certain point, I I took the, the New Testament literally when it said that. Uh, Judas was the one who was the closest to Jesus of all of the people, which is what it says, you know. says <laughs> <over> there. <laughs> lots of things. Um, but did you did you did
0: you, did, did, did you take this? So did you write a sex sexting between Jesus and Judas?
1: Yeah. <gasps> Do you want what?
0: it? I so want it. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine what would have happened if that had been been published? I mean, talk about death threats. You know. yeah.
1: I mean, it, it's going to be published in America next year, in March next year. Wow. Yeah. So the good news is I live in Britain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm thinking about James Fry. Do you remember when he was doing his last testament here and he was talking all the terrible... Death threats and stuff that that, that yeah. he'd had because of it. I mean, um, so I have
1: had I have had some anti-Semitic email already from it, um, and I took my email off my website because, I just you know it's just it's distressing and it kind of ruins your morning when somebody emails you going, why do the Jews insist on persecuting Christians? <laughs> is, is this why you all want to rule the media? Don't haven't Jews persecuted persecuted Christians enough?
0: <laughs> and it's like you haven't even had your first cup of coffee. And you're like, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. because, we because that's
1: the way around it's always gone, you know, Jews persecuting Christians, it's well known. <laughs>
0: um so 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 you so you've got Judas who is a very com- I think, very complicated, I think one of the most interesting characters in the book because he he does have his own motivations um, and he, he isn't sure, he's equivocal. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I think that I think that, that's that's fascinating. Tell us who the other other. is. Okay, are. so
1: uh, Caiaphas who was the high priest of the temple in Jerusalem? Who
0: I knew um, nothing about. Yeah, it,
1: well, so he only ever, you know, he appears in Jesus Christ Superstar with a deep, bass voice. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, that was apart from his. That was from his section, um, and so he's he's traditionally a sort of real like pantomime villain character. If you ever see him in anything, he's sort of going around. Um, getting the people stirred up against Jesus. And the truth is, Jesus was probably not that interesting. I mean, Jesus, certainly nothing about Jesus is recorded in the Jewish sources of the time. So people just what, pe- people hadn't heard of him. People weren't that interested in him. The idea that, that Caiaphas, and, and incidentally, the, the high priests, uh, the people regularly rioted against the high priests and not just against the preface because the high priests were seen to be collaborating with, with, with the Roman occupiers. So the idea that the high priest would have any influence on the people to get them to sort of mm. be against Jesus is it's nonsense it's absolute nonsense.
0: And of course I mean uh, without giving too much too much away he he doesn't Really want to have to do what he has to, what he has to do. And it's what you were saying at the beginning. It's this kind of inevitability, tragic inevitability of what, of what happens to Jesus, or the, the historical figure formerly known as Jesus. Yeah, um, right. and, and then, and then, and then, our, our final liar.
1: So the final liar is Barabbas, who is the the thief and murderer who's released when Jesus is crucified. Remember, and the people all go, "Give us Barabbas! Give us Barabbas!" And in the New Testament, they have the priest going, "Say Barabbas! Go on!" Um, but this also is quite unlikely because. Um, if you're a thief and a murderer and the Romans want to kill you, it's because you've stolen from the Romans and you've murdered Romans. Um, so I have him as a sort of I have him as a sort of gangster style, freedom fighter style. I mean He's
0: quite sexy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, does, he
1: does have quite a bit of sex, it's yes, true. He does. Yes, yes, he enjoys himself. Which, you know, if if you're if you're part of the organization that's running the lives of unoccupied people, then you know, it comes with certain privileges. Um, yeah, it's it was. So,
0: so were there other characters that you wanted to? I mean, because that's obviously not the whole the whole cast. Were there others that you either wrote that didn't make it in, or that you that you were attracted to but couldn't make work? Or
1: I mean, I really wanted to get this is this is a real writery answer, but I really wanted to get Mary Magdalene to say something to me, and she just wasn't talking to me. Right. Um. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I guess I in a certain way, it's. In a way, it's a book about. Jews and Christians, it, it, a bit, a bit. And, and in a way, obviously, you will have noticed there were some resonances with things that are going on currently in that troubled mm. region of the world. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, so when thinking about what it is that Jews are really puzzled by in Christianity, one of the things that Jews find so weird is that this guy who <laughs> was celibate should be like the head of the, because this is completely verboten um, um, amongst like Jews. You couldn't be a high priest if you weren't married. Um, so I suppose that was quite—it was quite interesting to me. I, I would—I would have loved to get Mary Magdalene to say something, but the fact that she didn't was quite also quite interesting because I suspect that I just—I kind of believe it. It's so weird that for for Jews that that a rabbi, a teacher, would not have a wife. Mm. That I I sort of accept it on the basis of it's unusual and it kind of would have made him seem less in the eyes of the people. And, th- and that's the stuff you can believe, where um, if it says something there and, and, th- and you go, well, this would have made everyone think he was worse than he was, then, yeah. So I guess, I guess that's why she couldn't, I couldn't find her. Um, the,
0: the, the kind of point, that, or the question that you're asking in the book is that you know, did something miraculous happen or did a series of people lie yeah. and did they continue to lie to, them, to themselves and each other? Um, and in your acknowledgments you say, well, that's Jesus sorted for me. And <laughs> I just wonder what, what your outcome was. What, what did you think? Like, yeah. you know, do, where do you fall down with miracles and lies?
1: Yeah, so it was really cathartic for me to write the book. I hadn't realised how much, as a Jewish person growing up in Britain, I had found Jesus to be quite an oppressive figure because of centuries of persecution, because of pogroms every year at Easter time. Um, in fact, the last pogrom in Britain was in the, the 20th century. There was a pogrom in Wales, in North Wales. Winston Churchill had to send in the National Guard to put it down. And there was this kind of Easter um, rising up where the priests would kind of whip up the people into a frenzy against whatever Jews happened to be around. So I felt Jesus to be quite an impressive figure. And now, having hung out with him, <laughs> for a couple of years writing this book, I, th- I feel much more relaxed about it. And I just feel like, oh, so... I mean, yeah, I, th- I think... I'm, I, th- I feel satisfied for myself that I've worked out what happened. There are a couple of things where I feel like I'm completely right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I can tell you what they are. Do you want to know what yes. I think is right? Um, okay, so two things. Firstly, all of this casting out demons business... Um, I went to talk to some people who deal with mental health stuff and schizophrenia because it seemed to me that voices in your head were probably schizophrenia. Um, and, and, and there's the sort of current thinking about schizophrenia is that if you can get people to talk back to the voices actually rather than just ignoring them, that can be better. Um, so I thought probably what Jesus was doing was talking to people who had mental health problems and commanding them in a commanding way. And how would you do that in this time and this place is to use the the name of God, which you're never allowed to say out loud, and that people would find this very striking and, and, and arresting. Um, and so I, I thought of this, and I wrote it like this, and then I went back to have a look at the scene of Jesus' trial, and there's a moment in Mark where the high priest... where Jesus says something about God, and then the high priest rips his robe, and this is what you're supposed to do if somebody says the name of God inappropriately in front of you. And I went, oh, yes! That's, exa- that's it! It must be that! It must be that! Uh, so, yeah, I... <laughs> I mean,
0: I'm is, it, take some questions. is it bad I'm to gonna... say that
1: I think I know more than the Bible, but
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sylvia, and then Jackie, you didn't get to ask a question, and then you did, so I can't quite see. Go. Hello, my question is, um, uh,
1: Buffy is your heroine. <laughs> she is. I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Why? Tell
0: us why. <laughs> There's a question about Buffy, which is kind of slightly left field, but... Um... <laughs> uh,
1: because that she's that a Buffy? feminist, yeah, and Buffy, I'm a feminist. A yeah. Buffy's... Yes, feminism. That's, that's all
0: the answer you need, Jackie. Go ahead. That was really As an
1: atheist, about I it, all true, by the way. Can I, said, I just are say? You, are you yourself religious? Where do you start at the Gospel's Gospel? to you? <laughs> okay. You're so. asking the Jew. Yeah. Um, are, you,
0: are, are, are you yourself religious? So, anyone?
1: I grew up very religious. I grew up an Orthodox Jew. Um, I have cast it aside. I happily had some bacon for breakfast this morning. <laughs> that gets a round of applause. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, which was a long process. Um, I, I'm culturally Jewish. I will always be Jewish. Um, I wouldn't say that I particularly believe in Judaism more than I believe in anything else. I, I couldn't claim to be a full atheist in the sense that I have all the track laid in my head for belief in God, if that makes sense to anybody who's ever been religious. And you, you can never get that out. It's always going to be there. Yeah, wow. It's, just, it's it? like good
0: banners, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's like the place that you grew up. You'll never, you'll never be able to lose the ability to navigate your parents' house in your mind with your eyes closed. You know, just walking from room, you'll always know it. Yeah. Like, you don't have to live there anymore, yeah. but you can't stop knowing it. Um, so I guess that's where I am with it. Uh, I just—I wanted to say something I forgot about this, which is that, that scene was completely true, that scene of the riot, and then Ma- the Pilate putting down the, this, this riot with a massacre. Um, Pilate was eventually recalled to Rome for brutality. Now, to get recalled to Rome for brutality, you had to be pretty fucking brutal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Question it, and then you're there, sorry.
1: Many of us would have grown up with the idea that all the bad, murdery, savvy stuff happened in the Old Testament, and the New Testament was mostly about gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Bless, I come to bring bring the sword, not to bring peace, says Jesus.
0: And by setting your story in a context that's informed by the Occupy Movement and the Arab Spring, you made it very...
1: it's been sanctified by the BBC radio. Yes, this is true. Book of the Week worried last worried week. Are you worried that you may actually have caused a major meltdown in the heads of
0: middle by doing this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how, how do, I mean, was Book of the Week last week? It was Book of the Week last week and the, the, the week before. And what kind of responses have you had from that? The, oh, it's, the people been, who...
1: it's been great. I mean, OK, so the answer to your question is I really hope to cause a meltdown. Um, I, I think it's been incredibly freeing for me to question the stories that I grew up with, and severe questioning. And in a way, growing up in a non-Jewish country really helps me with that. And so there were already lots of people around me who are questioning it. Um, so responses have been in, in two kinds. Apparently they have had some emails uh, calling for me to be tried for blasphemy. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see them try it. Um, um, uh, but, but more, m- much more than that, I've had people who grew up um, very staunchly Christian, and don't want that in their heads anymore. Um, talking, saying, coming to me and saying that, that they feel like the book has set them free. Um, you know, I, I read that. I read that Richard Dawkins' *The God Delusion* uh, when it came out a few years ago, and he said that he could rid me of being religious. And I was like, "All right, Dawkins. All right, all right, bring it. See what you can do." And, and it, it wasn't perfect, but it, but it definitely helped. And I suppose um, if somebody is grown up feeling or who is now feeling quite oppressed by this idea of, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, who you should try and live like because he was a perfect human being, I would say, you know, I hope this helps with that because I think this is much more likely. <laughs> Final question, it was you there. Uh, I was just going about your editing process. You've got really beautiful language in your book. Thank you. Do you, do you write the whole thing and go back, or what's your editing?
0: It's a very writer question. So what's your editing process? Do you write the whole thing, or did you write character by character? How did you do it?
1: Okay, so um, I I don't edit hugely, but I I spend a lot of time getting the voice right before I really dig in. Um, So what I tend to do is I start out by... Well, for this book, I spent about a year reading. Um, I read Josephus, and I read Tacitus, and I read the Gospels, and... um, at a certain point, in reading a scene, I could su- actually—it's it's pretty much what David said. I could suddenly see it. I could suddenly—I read a, a thing about um, when when Pompey comes and takes Jerusalem uh, the first time. He allows them to finish the sacrifices before he kills them all. Uh, yeah, and and I suddenly just went, "I can see it. I can see it." And then I started writing, and, and at that point, the voice was somehow there. Because I'd kind of waited for that moment, and sometimes it's a bit more a bit more false starty, This one, this one, I think I've been waiting so long to write it. It came out quite smoothly, but sometimes it's more false starts. And you just try different ways in, and try different ways in, and suddenly you find the voice, and then and then you've sort of got it. Um, I, I have to, when I'm working on a book, I have to write every day because otherwise I lose the voice, um, and I, and I try to just be very methodical and write 800 words a day every day until it's done. And that's what works for me. And I know some writers can take weekends, and some writers, it doesn't matter if they... If, but for me, if I leave it three days, I come back and it's, it goes wrong again, and then there's another week to sort it out. So just every day. Um, and it's actually quite nice. You know, it's sort of it's like a meditation practice or something. So thank you, <laughs> Blasphemous <laughs> Jewess, <Miami laughs> order, Thank you, we will we'll be back in 15 minutes.